Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. This hour is brought to you by Continental Toyota. Looking to buy a new or pre-owned Toyota today? Visit Continental Toyota on the Grange Road at I-55 or ContinentalToyota.com. The news at a Cubs camp appears to be the increased readiness of Pedro Strope and uh, the fact that you Darvish is not uh, not really that damaged by the blister. Looks like they may move the rotation around a little bit to give Darvish some time, but give us your update on those two guys, Bruce Levine. I will as soon as you tell me about your show for tomorrow night with Pat Hughes. Looking forward to that very much. Tomorrow night, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., presented by Illinois Lottery. I'll have Pat Hughes for an hour from 6 to 7. Then I'll be solo from 7 to 8. It's going to be in the Blue Cross Blue Shield Performance Studio. So they've been giving away tickets, um, so it'll be kind of a live broadcast for folks in that way, and uh, looking forward very much to talking to Pat Hughes, who loves the game and obviously brings a presence that Cub fans enjoy right here on 670 The Score. Now, Strope uh, and, and Darvish both threw a bullpen yesterday, and uh, Strope is looking good. He's, he's coming back from an issue with a hamstring that he, uh, that he tweaked about 10 days ago. They are feeling pretty confident that he's going to be ready for opening day. If there is even a glimmer of strain or the possibility that uh, they're they're questioning it, they will hold him back and start him on the injured list. Yes, indeed, the DL is now called the injured list, so we have to get used <laughs> to calling it that all year without saying it used to be the disabled list. Now it's the injured list. When it comes to Darvish, he, from the very beginning, uh, even when he showed us uh, the finger being sliced open, uh, after throwing that uh, slider about uh, four or five days ago, he 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 downplayed this as something that was not going to stop him from making his start. As you alluded to, Matt, yeah, uh, the the prudent thing to do would be to change uh, him in the uh, rotation. He was he was slotted to be the second starter uh, pitching against Texas the second game out. Um, it would probably be prudent now to move up uh, maybe a um, Hendricks or a Hamels who are going to be three or four and uh, re-slot them and, and maybe move uh, Darvish down to four or five. Uh, you don't want to move them too far out because uh, they don't really need a fifth starter right away either. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, um, right now Quintana is looking like the guy that might be five, but uh, and that means he would stay back here and pitch. Uh, in some type of minor league game or with uh, with people that are left back here after the team departs on March 26th, um, they might rearrange that. And we'll hear from uh, from uh, Joe today a little bit more about that. But uh, he he uh, he was throwing the ball well with a bandage on the uh, finger, and uh, I think 
you know, he feels he's not going to miss a thing. In 2013, he had a similar injury on the same finger, and uh, it happened the, the first start, then a little bit more the second start, but he managed to make 32 starts that right. year. Yeah, I remember so, looking back at that, he di- he, and he didn't miss any one in, right. in, in particular. He didn't drop out of the rotation at all. Right, so I, I, the, the one thing you concern yourself with is, does this uh, impact him using uh, the slider? And does that take a pitch away if he's uh, if he's not using that pitch because he wants to stay away from re-injuring the finger and the way that it slides down his uh, hand when he releases the ball? Looking at the Cubs bullpen, um, it, it would seem that they're locked and loaded, and this would have seemed this way a couple of weeks ago with the guys that are under contract, like Brad Brock, Steve Ciszek, Brian Dunsing, Carl Edwards, Brandon Kinsler, Mike Montgomery along with Strope, and then Tyler Chatwood, um, if they're going to hold on to that money. My, my question is, when you've got guys like Dunsing and Kinsler, who are making each of them uh, some, some actual money, are, are all of those guys, are, are, are Dunsing and Kinsler guaranteed to make the big league roster when you've got non-roster invitees like Alan Webster and Junichi Tazawa, who have pitched well, along with you know, a guy like Dylan Maples, Randy Rosario, etc., Kyle Ryan, too? Yeah, no, uh, they're, you know, the, the guarantee is that the, the Cubs want to have their best possible team out there. And having veterans like Kinsler and, uh, and, and uh, Dunsing. Dunsing are, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, Dunsing is uh, scheduled to make three and a half million and Kinsler five. I don't know if you release either one of them at this point. Uh, I know the Cubs are out there looking at other pitchers in the bullpen. Uh, they would probably like another left-hander Dunsing. Had a rough year last year. Had mm. some injury. He wasn't very good when he wasn't injured. So um, I, I don't think the Cubs would hesitate if they had a better pitcher. They had someone there right away. But um, barring picking up somebody that's really solid to go in there, I I don't see them releasing either one of these guys Oof. starting uh, starting the beginning of the season. It's just, uh, you know, again, uh, they're all about – having their best team possible. Mm-hmm. I don't think the money will stand in the way because it's already spent, but they have to be sure that whoever they're picking up is going to be able to fill that role. Yeah, Tazawa was the one that really interests me because he was awfully good a few years back, um, especially in his time in Boston. Yeah, it doesn't throw quite as hard as he used to. I know, but he, he had a good appearance the other day with that little two-seam fastball, and I just I, I wonder. But, you know, Joe Madden was presented with this conundrum, like, is that your bullpen, the guys that we just listed and talked about? And he said... There's still, honestly, a couple little tweaks possible that's not been nailed down yet. We're still discussing some stuff. Some guys have made really good impressions. You have to be mindful moving forward. There's, I promise you, it's not nailed down yet. That sounds Andy, like a guy who, who wants some flexibility still. And if Strope is not ready for opening day, yeah. then how do they mix and match the uh, C-Shacks and uh, – the um, you know the different people that they have there right now as mm-hmm. far as closing. Do you use Brock? Um, do you use Montgomery for a two-inning save at the end of the ball game a couple times a week? Uh, that is the luxury that they have now with Montgomery no longer a starting pitcher, mm. a guy that's not afraid to get out lefties or righties, and a guy that's not afraid to pitch in big game situations. So, uh, you know, if – if Joe is happy with matchups toward the end of the game, yeah, you know, be looking for Montgomery to to maybe close some games out. Tyler Chatwood has walked only four guys in thirteen innings pitched. Mm-hmm. 
How, uh, but but how how is it looked and how is it being discussed? We know about the the mechanical change and we also know about the contract. He's going to be here. Um, what what's the level of optimism on Tyler Chatwood being able to have more control? Very good because the three of those walks were in one game. So he, he has really walked only one guy in, in all of his other outings total. He's uh, he's now Montgomery. He's the long guy. Okay, that's how that's how he's being looked at here. And if somebody falters or gets hurt in their start, uh, you can see you can see him coming in once or twice a week to uh, to take some long innings and to keep the team in a ball game. That's probably his going to be his role initially, and uh, of course back up the rotation. That's who he is. That's why he was signed to a three-year, thirty million, thirty-nine million dollar deal to be a part of that rotation. And and maybe after the first year jitters are gone, Matt. Uh, he indeed shows up and is the pitcher that they thought he would be. Inside the Clubhouse is sponsored by Poogie Hyundai and Downers Grove. Buying a car from Poogie can be a beautiful thing. Let's take a break and come back and talk to Ron Coomer about some of these Cubs issues and more. Shall we, Bruce? Good idea, Matt. All right. Six, seven, the score is where you are. It's Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be right back. You're listening to 670 The Score, Saturday mornings from 9 to 11. It's inside the clubhouse. And it's time to talk Cubs with our friend, our colleague. He is Ron Coomer, the color analyst right here for radio broadcasts on 670 The Score. And he joins us right now on the Al Pimonte Ford hotline. Al Pimonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. Good morning, Coom. Good morning, Maddie. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, and Bruce is out there in Zona. What's up, Coombs? How are you? Good morning, Bruce. <laughs> I know you're uh, you're ready to travel. Are you going to Coombs Corner, or what's going on with I, the, the I restaurant? Will, I will be there Monday. I'm actually flying into Minneapolis for a short time for one day, um, and then I'll be, I'll be at the restaurant. I'll be at my restaurant Monday and Tuesday. Before Tuesday night, I uh, fly to Arlington and meet meet the boys we got a little production meeting on wednesday and then um pat and i and zach we will do the game on thursday so we're looking forward to getting the season cranking up give us 30 seconds on coombs corner and how how it's being received i know it's uh you're into your second year now yeah we're doing really good we're we you know we're we're, we're actually one year and now we're gonna do a we'll do a little party in may uh but we're doing really good we've i've been fortunate to hire some good people we get a great chef Dean McWilliams, he's, you know, way beyond my my expectations of what we have. So we've got great fish and steaks and things like that that we've kind of morphed into. And um, we've had some great parties. I, I miss the St. Patrick's Day party. It, it's a shame that a good Scottish and Irish kid from the <laughs> south side of Chicago missed St. Patrick's Day in his own joint. But, you know, you know, work is work, right, right guys? But we're doing really well. I'm really excited. We're going to do some things with the score this Cub season, and we're going to do some things with the Bears next fall. And, nice. Um, I'm happy. Yeah, you know, I, I jumped in, and and it's working out. I'm not screwing it up, Maddie. That's the big thing. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I had faith that you could screw it up too. I really did I have faith. Totally. You're, you're not the only one. Uh, no, no, I, I can't wait to just go in there and just hang out and play slots all day. Just play slots and kind of ignore everybody else. You know? God bless you. Yeah, you, know, right you know, that's, who he, that's who he is, Coombs. <laughs> hey, it, it, let, let's start um, with a guy who's not going to make the big league roster first, first, and that's Nico Horner. 
I want to know your thoughts on this kid because I think he's been so impressive both at the plate and the way he discusses his process. He's a very smart young hitter, listening to the right coaches, all that kind of stuff. I wonder how quickly they could move him through the system, Ron. Um, good question. Not sure how fast he'll move. Um, I, to me, you know, there baseball is an interesting game. You know, spring training, you get fired up for these young guys, and they come to camp and. You know, they're, they're just charged. And I think for a lot of guys, then they leave spring training and they go down and it's, you know, the, the, the hype and the, the magnitude of playing in big league games goes away. And I think guys have a little bit of a letdown. I think this kid, though, um, when you look at his makeup and you look at how, he, to your point, Matt, the process, he plays shortstop. Um, I thought he did a fine job at short uh, for a very young guy. Um he moved around a little bit. He was aggressive. Even on a ball last night, he came in later in the game, and he, he took charge of a ball hit down the left field line. And I look at those things. Is he is he tentative making plays that are really his play, but he could, you know, give in to the left fielder. He could back away and let somebody else make the play, hmm. but he didn't. And I think those are little things that infielders look at. When you're a big league ball player and you've been in the league a long time, you look at the kids and go, are they a little on the tentative side or are they aggressive? Are they going to jump in? And he's a jump-in kind of kid. He's all in. And he's made the plays. He hits. He can swing it. And he's an intelligent kid. His college coach from Stanford loves him. Um, he could be – you never know. He could be a Schwarber, and he could be up right away if he, if he competes, you know, maybe in that A-ball or double-A level and does really well. You never know. Coombs, uh, looking at the bullpen, how do you see it shaking out if uh, if Strope isn't ready to, to make it the first uh, maybe series or two uh, if they want to hold him back? How do, you, how do you see the back end playing out? I think they're going to have a tough time keeping Strope from, from participating in the first week. I really do. I talked to Pedro oh, four days ago, mm-hmm. and you know how he is, Bruce. He's full of energy, and he's, you know, he takes great yeah, care of That's what himself. I'm worried about. Yep, and I he really wants to get out there, and he's been throwing. So we'll see how it goes. I think when's he going to throw? Is it going to be Monday? He's scheduled uh, he's to throw, go, he's gonna throw Monday, yes, against Boston. Yep, so he's scheduled to throw Monday. We'll see how it goes. I think he's going to be ready to participate, if not every day, like in every other day thing. Um, but if, 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 if he is unable to go where Joe wants to hold him back a little bit, you're probably looking, to me, you're probably looking at Edward Ciszek, um, kind of thing to me to, to finish out the game, depending on the matchup that Joe likes. Um, so that would be the end. And then, you know, the other guy would be the eighth inning guy. And, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta hope that, you know, Kinsler to me has looked pretty good. I think he's turned the corner a little bit and he's not trying to be too fine. He's throwing the ball over the plate and taking his chances with a sinker and trying to get some ground balls. So, um, you know, you know who looked good last night. The ball came out of his hand really well. That we haven't talked much about in camp is Rosario. Yeah, he looked pretty good. He's, his his fastball is lively, and the one thing we know about him, he's not afraid to throw it over. That's for sure. Hmm. So, well, we'll see. You you know, it's I I think you know having Strophy on the roster and being able to pitch is crucial for the Cubs right now in this first month. You know, Rosario might be the answer then to the question I was going to ask, which is. If if one of these guys are going to be given a chance, um, it, is it Junichi Tazawa? 
Is it Alan Webster? Is it Rosario? Is Rosario the most likely because he's lefty and because he's shown the, the confidence to put it over like you're talking about? Well, I think it's it, Joe's got a decision to make. You know, if, you know, Brian Dunsing, who I'm a big fan of, and seen him pitch, you know, for a long time with Minnesota and then with us last few years. Um, it, it, it's up to Joe. Brian's had a tough spring, but he's got a lot of big league time and he, he understands how to pitch, but he's given up some hits and, and some runs. If Joe's got a decision to make there, um, and so does Theo, and then you also, you know, I think Tasala has, has shown that he's thrown the ball very well. He's, he's had a good camp. So um, those are the last, you know, probably the last two spots in the roster or last spot on the roster, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got, to me, when you're looking at that roster spot, you've got to get guys that'll, that aren't going to be afraid to throw the ball over the plate and let your defense work for you, especially early in the season. We go to Wrigley Field with that wind howling in, throw the ball over and take your chances um, that the wind's going to keep the ball in the ballpark. What is your experience having watched uh, Ian Happ this spring, and what can you make out of who he is? Tell us tell us who Ian Happ is and who he could be and uh, you know where he's at as far as you, you look at him right now. Well, he's had kind of a tough spring. We know that um, offensively. You know, last night, Kluber, he was a little overmatched with Kluber. He had, you know, Kluber carved him up a little bit with some fastballs and sliders. It just really, um, if there was one guy that Kluber made all his pitches to, it was it was Hap, right? Um, yeah. So here, here's my take. So defensively at second base, I would say he's average. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's extremely athletic. He's not a polished second baseman. Like, you know, when you see Javi go over there, he looks, you know, like he's been there all his life. Um, Ian makes the plays. He's not a polished, you know, guy like that, but he makes the plays. He's extremely athletic. To me, his final step, whether he's playing center field, the outfield spots, it's hitting. He's got to figure out um, who he is as a hitter, and he's got to be able to make more contact. And right now, I'm seeing him. To me, in last night's ball game, it looked like he was overthinking every at bat. You got a guy like Kluber on the mound. He had a situational hitting um, at bat with a man at third and less than two outs. I, th- I don't even think there was an out. Kluber on the mound. He took strike one, strike two before he ever took the bat off his shoulder. Right. With a, with an ace like Kluber. You know, if you got a situational at bat and the infield's playing back, you get a pitch you can handle, put it in play, hit a ground ball, and get the run in because your chances of scoring a lot of runs off Kluber are going to be minimal. So you've got to have the right mindset, and I'm not necessarily sure all the time if if he's going up there and overthinking things and he's not clear. The clarity factor of of him hitting, I'm not sure, is, is there right now. Well, what you're talking about is so massive for these young guys, and it's it's what they're demanding from the top down to Joe taking over for situational hitting. Who has responded well, you think, this spring to trying to change their two-strike approach and be a little bit more like Anthony Rizzo is with that B-hack? Which of the young guys has responded well, do you think, Rob? Two, um, there's been a few. I, I would say the two that really stand out, that maybe it's just because of timing, when Bruce and I sit in the press box that it's happened when we're sitting there together right. watching. Um, I, and I love sitting in the press box watching a ball game with Bruce. We sit there and everything gets analyzed and you talk about it. It's great baseball conversation. 
But I would say the two guys that I really, really have stood out to me, Kyle Schwarber has hit the ball the other way a lot. (laughs) So that to me means he's staying on the off-speed pitches more. He's laying off the high fastball. He's getting better at that. And he's he's willing to hit the ball the other way. And the other guy that's had a very good camp to me is, is Albert Almora. Elmore, the same thing. Last year, he started out the season very hot, the first half, uh, borderline making the all-star team, hitting 300, and then he got pull happy the second half, and he was very easily pitched to. If he stays hitting the ball the other way, he'll situational hit, he'll still hit some home runs, but he's going to be a tough out. I think those two guys have, have turned the corner in that situational hitting thing and have had a good camp. Yeah, Matt, and I'm going to throw in Wilson Contreras, too. He he he. Uh, we, we've uh, Coombs and I have talked a lot about him. Watching him too, he, he's uh, much more quiet behind the plate. Uh, that that is so significant for me because uh, he's so full of energy and he has so many things in his setup uh, that uh, sometimes the pitcher has to wait for him to get settled. I I see a much more relaxed, confident guy out there defensively, and he's hitting the ball. With some lift this spring, and it seems like his confidence is totally back. See, that's the thing. If if some of those guys, you just mentioned three key young guys, if they do step forward situationally, and if Bryant is just healthy and resumes being himself, you know, then this offense ought to be a lot better. Maddie, let me just say this: Bryant is healthy. Yeah, he he has a he's on a mission. Um, you can see it in the way he's playing the game, the way he's running the bases, and the way he's swinging in batting practice. The ball's coming off his bat hot. His shoulder doesn't look like it's bothering him at all. He's he is just fine. You're you're looking at, you know, if Javi can continue in the the way he's going, you're looking at three guys, two, three, and four spots in your lineup, thirty and a hundred. Think about yeah. that, thirty and a hundred in three spots. You know, that's, that's, that's deadly. That's a potent lineup right at the top. Think about the last inning when that lineup flips over and you either have an Elmore if he's swinging good or Zoe who can really handle the bat, and then you got Thunder coming in behind it. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we can talk all we want about the peripheral guys, and they're going to all be important. But Bryant being in there healthy and being Chris Bryant, both you guys, I mean, that – that's that's a difference in this lineup. That's a difference from 770 runs to about 8, 850 that this team could max out at this year. Well, I love the way that he approached the offseason, Coom, where he just he stopped swinging for the longest, he said, since he was 13 years old. Like, he really let his body recover, then slowly amped up the work. And there's he's just always been the guy that, that he's been. There's no reason to think that he won't continue to be that guy. No doubt. The thing that guy big league players realize when they get – you, you get to a point in your career where you're where you're comfortable in your own skin. You know what you're doing is right. And then the, the key, and this was something that was taught to me by Carlton Fisk many, many, many moons ago, um, get your body prepared for the 180-plus games that you could play. Your baseball skills will be ready. A lot of big league hitters, they hit, 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 hit. Pudge taught me, let's let's hit in January and February, and then let's get prepared. But let's get our body ready to play and your mind ready to play the schedule. And I think for KB, what he's going to find is now all of a sudden you're fresher mentally for your skills of hitting the baseball in that as opposed to 
hit, 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 you know, take, take three weeks off and then just keep hitting. Sometimes that gets a little stale, and, I, and I, I like the idea of him having some time off and letting his shoulder heal, go through the rehab, and now, you know, the game is fresher for him. I really believe that. We better let you catch a plane. Uh, quickly, give us uh, 30 seconds on Joe's attitude for the spring. I know how close you are to him and how much, uh, you know, he counts on you and, and uh, on a daily basis to just bounce things off of well, I, I think as you, we're friends, and I've known Joe a long time since his angel days. Um, I think he's in a great frame of mind. I think he's happy. I actually think, even though a lot was made of him getting very involved in the in the teaching part, mm-hmm. I watched him, you know, shooting balls through that machine, through the pitching machine early in camp. Bruce, you and I, he loves all that stuff. That's yep. that's in his wheelhouse. So you're not asking him to do anything that's like a chore. You know, he loves teaching. He loves old-school baseball. He loves doing all that. Those are drills he did as the minor league coordinator for the Angels and with the big league club. I think he's in a great frame of mind. I think he's really ready. He may not say this. He's really ready to go. So 95 wins was great, and we ended up second. <laughs> it's, this is our year. We're ready to go. I really believe he feels that way. Coombs, we appreciate it very much. Maddie and I always enjoy having you on the inside the clubhouse. Safe trip to Minnesota, back to Chicago, back to Dallas. You're a busy man. Brucey, Maddie, have a great day. I'll see you guys. Uh, I'll see you guys here coming up soon. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. That's Ron Coomer, Cubs radio color man, and a guy who's known Joe Madden for a long time. And it's true about the situational drills and all that stuff they're asking Joe to do. He's a lifer. Like when he was what organizational hitting coach in the Angels system for years, where you know it, he's he's always done that stuff. So asking him to be involved with it was not a big stretch. Matt, you know uh, the reason he didn't. People will say, well, why didn't he always do it? It's because he he was a coach for so long. He was a coordinator for so long. He wants to empower his coaches. He wants to believe in them and their plan. He wants to talk to them a couple times a week about what's going on and then let them do their thing because uh, he believes in empowering those people in their jobs. And I, I believe that too. But, you know, Theo and Jed said, you know, let's let's be more proactive. Let's get involved. And he's jumped right in. Uh, Eloy Jimenez just signed his deal officially, sitting next to Rick Hahn uh, at a table with a White Sox tablecloth. And uh, Rick Hahn, before they signed, looked at Eloy and said, are you still in? (laughs) And and apparently he said yes. And uh, Hahn is talking about it. Um, Bruce, he says that extension conversations began last year. And actually they got close to signing something this past November at the GM meetings, that that it was that early that they've been talking about stuff. And then, then you can understand the, the young man being distracted. You really can. And people say, well, if you're professional, you don't let – well, look, $77 million, that's going to distract anybody, especially a 22-year-old guy that's looking at a permanent life change for him and his family and from a humble beginning. So mm-hmm. uh, if he was off a tick – you might be able to say it was some of this going on in the periphery. Um, now he can get down to being a baseball player every day and uh, showing up and maybe, just maybe, being one of the most popular White Sox players since Frank Thomas in that era. No uh, no announcement from uh, Rick Hahn uh, about the opening day roster. Um, so nothing nothing official on that. I'd be shocked if Eloy is not there, but they'll wait to announce that till uh, till another day. Apparently. Well, I know one guy by the name of Brooks Boyer, who's the marketing director. Yeah, I, I know I, ho- I know him and uh, our 
ticket friends over at the 35th and Vec Drive. They're hoping it's opening day and it's announced real soon. Well, I think Brooks is kind of obsessed with the NCAA tournament right now. But, you know, give him a couple days. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll get back to White yeah, Sox I think, business. I think uh, <laughs> thought of selling a few tickets is always on his mind. It is the score. It is inside the clubhouse. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. He is Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Callers who've been holding, thank you. We will get to you. If you'd like to hop in, do it right now. You can also text us at 6711. And let's talk about those, uh, those free agents getting locked up well before free agency. Those young players. We'll do that next on Inside the Clubhouse. Inside the Clubhouse is where you are. He's Bruce Levine out there in Arizona. I'm Matt Spiegel right here in Chicago on 670 The Score. And Bruce, uh, as Chris Sale's deal is now official, Justin Verlander's deal is coming soon, believed to be $66 million over a couple years. Next year's free agent class is getting hit hard and doesn't look so good. Um, but let's think about the young players. Alex Bregman, six years, $100 million. Blake Snell signs a deal. Aaron Nola, Luis Severino, Nolan Arenado before he hits free agency. What's your takeaway from this trend across baseball of the young guys signing deals before they even get to free agency? I don't love it as much as everybody else does, I'll tell you that much. And the reason I don't love it is that uh, I've been around long enough to know that uh, tying up the, uh, the, the the top players in the game and uh, getting their salaries way up there doesn't mean necessarily good things for the median group, for the uh, the guys that are working their way up from now on, uh, from the guys that are are the guts of teams, you know, the middle range players. Uh, that I think this foreshadows some uh, some deals down the road where. The ownership uh, of the Major League Baseball is going to want a hard cap. Uh, hard cap doesn't necessarily mean bad things necessarily for um, the the highest paid players in the game who will continue to get paid. But for the median group and the group developing, uh, it could be a long way to go, and it could be some rough times as far as the CBA down the line after 2021. Hmm. Now, in the NFL, we have seen kind of the mid-range free agents be squeezed for either cheap guys who aren't quite as good or, you know, or, or, or the guys who really, really are a lot better. You think we're looking at that? I mean, that would make sense. That would fit the trend that we're already yep. seeing in free agency, guys like Mike Moustakas having to wait around to get signed, you know? Yeah, one-year deal for a guy that, you know, a year away from hitting 38 home runs – uh, being a, a, a very serviceable guy, but at at his age, not being the type of guy that teams want to sign to long-term contracts. So we're not going to see – I mean, think about what you just said, Matt. All these young guys signing tremendously favorable contracts for themselves initially and for the teams in the long run. And the, then all of a sudden, the marketplace for the free agents who are – 30 to 35 or, you know, closing in on the end of their careers. What's that going to be all about? It's going to be all about one-year contracts, you know, and having to earn your way every year. That's not the worst thing in the world, but it's an antithesis of what we've seen in the game where somebody has six good years in age 31, 32, Mm -hmm. gets that long-term deal that doesn't necessarily work out for the team but certainly works out for the player. So now it's about – the Players Association, Matt, reacting differently and saying, well, if this is how you're going to play ball with us, then we want our young players to be paid 
a lot more money initially. And I think that's where a deal can be struck. In other words, if there's going to be any type of hard cap down the line, and yeah. certainly players aren't, aren't going to want it, and there may be a lockout or a strike down the line, but nonetheless, you got to pay the young players two or three times the amount you're paying right now. Pay us now. And then we're not going to worry as much about getting the money we get uh, later on or if we crap out after four or five years in the major leagues. As next year's list and maybe even the one after that looks to be less impressive uh, by the day, um, it, to me it increases the magnitude of the White Sox swing and miss on Machado. We've debated it and we don't need to relitigate it, but the fact that that they they wanted and were not able to lock down a 26 year old free agent of that caliber. There's just those guys aren't going to hit the market again anytime soon. Well, you got to develop your own. Yes, you do. Yes, you, you know? do. And uh, and but but, but one, you, the one superstar is not going to make the difference for a team like the White Sox right now. I agree that they took a hit. I'm not diminishing the fact that they took a hit by not getting him. What I'm saying to you is, Luis Robert, Eli Jimenez. Yon Mankata, they Tim have to Anderson, hit. they, they got to hit. hit on those. Yes, okay? they do. But, but, because but, if, they're not, if they're not right about those guys, that one superstar is not going to make the difference. Right, but the thought process has always been for all of these rebuilds, including theirs, that you augment with the free agent when the time is right because you've been able to keep the payroll so low and now you have the opportunity. So right. I don't know who that target is going to be. Develop uh, your own. I, I, I know, yeah. but... And, and I'm just saying, do I don't think... I, I think as good a player and as great a player that uh, Manny Machado is, uh, he's not my leader on any team, okay? So he's going to be an excellent player on a very good team. As to when the White Sox get to that point or if he would have helped them get to that point, uh, you know, we're just spinning our wheels on that for now. But I'm, what I'm telling you is th- if their development isn't right and their scouting and their trades and their development of their young players isn't right – then this is going to be a long rebuild. It's not going to be four or five years. They're going to be dragging on to six, seven years, and uh, there's going to be a rebuild on the rebuild. For so, sure. But, it, you know, I don't know if Anthony Rendon will hit free agency. We'll see if the Nationals allow that to happen. That would be a name. Xander Bogarts is coming, but that's not a, not a huge uh, name and skill set necessarily. Mookie Betts maybe a couple years down the road, but somebody is going to need to take that money and uh, and. and and help the White Sox in the well, process. You're right about one thing. Identifying the really great players that are going to be available, yeah. it's going to be really difficult because all, all of them are getting signed up and they're becoming you know, iconic players in their own organization. Whether they live up to it or not, mm-hmm. uh, they are they're locked in for a long period of time. And I'm, uh, I'm just saying right now, your, your minor league system and your development system, it better be good. It's got to be good, really to get you where you want to go. And the next question is, when do the Cubs tie their guys up? Right. When will, when will that happen? Is it happening right under our feet right now? Are, are those discussions starting to heat up for Bryant, for Baez, uh, for Contreras? You know, Baez hasn't been around much at all uh, for the media. He's been doing his work, but we haven't talked to him hardly at all this spring. Is there something going on there as far as getting a contract done? He's certainly doing all his work on the field, always polite, 
not not blowing us off, but not available for most of the spring training. Are those some of those contracts happening as we're watching right now for the Chicago Cubs? Mike in Michigan has been hanging on for a long time. Let's squeeze him in before we get out of here. What's up, Mike? You're on Inside the Clubhouse. I, I love your discussion, and I think the issue is with uh, Eloy Jimenez. Well, gee, that's great. That's a but it's. It's not that big of a deal when you look at the broader issue, which is we're sitting there with the number three draft pick this year. We have, for a variety of reasons, not succeeded. I won't say missed, but not succeeded on most of our other recent draft picks during the rebuild. If we don't have the right people to evaluate talent, and there really at this point isn't a lot of indication that we do, Bruce is right. We're talking about a rebuild on a rebuild, and it's in that context where I kind of shrug my shoulders we may be great as a team about signing up our young kids for long-term contracts. We have no record of being really good in terms of evaluating great talent, uh, either in the amateur or the professional. And if we don't fix that, we got a real problem. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, there was a long stretch there between Frank Thomas and Chris Sale where there wasn't a lot to, to write home about in terms of drafting. But then Nick Hostetler got here, and things have changed a bit. Uh, still, Carson Fulmer looks like a disappointment. I think oh. Carlos Rodon looks, looks yeah, like that's going to work uh, out. Hopefully Madrigal is a yep. guy that turns it around, and he's everything they think as far as a number two hitter. And, uh, you know, the Pedroia-type player they hope of the future. If that's the case, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that turns around the way you look at it. But th- there's no defending, you know, pretty much the way they drafted. Uh, Tim Anderson looks like a hit. Uh, it's been a, a while to develop because he was a basketball player first, but he has a tremendous amount of potential from where he's at now, where he was a 20 stolen base, 20 home run shortstop last year and started to be a shortstop defensively in the second half. Uh it's, you know, it, it's going to be all about, you know, the draft and development, and we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Hey, we had a great show. I enjoyed it, Matt. And tomorrow night, you and Pat for a long show as well. I know you're with Rosie next. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB. Bruce Levine, I write on the Cubs and Sox on 670thescore.com. Every day, wrapping up spring training with a couple previews on each team over the next few days. Have a great week. I will talk to you in a couple weeks, Matt. Sounds good, Bruce. He's Bruce Levine. Find him on 670 The Score. You can find me at Matt Spiegel 670. As he said, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, thanks to Illinois Lottery, it'll be me and Pat Hughes for an hour from 6 to 7. But coming up in a couple minutes, Steve Rosenblum and Saturday Suckage. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com. 